it is. God bless you. Good morning, Freedom Center. Good morning, Kingdom Builders. I always wanted to go to a church like this. I know I say that, but I always wanted to go to a church like this. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. That we can be generous in, on every occasion, every opportunity that comes our way. There's meat in the house of the Lord to do something about a need that exists in the world that contradicts the narrative that God doesn't care. All the church wants is your money. It's a big political thing. How many guys know there's, there's no politics in helping people in need? There's just being a good neighbor. And I just, I just want to say again, thank you for being who you are. Um, you're weird. You're just wonderfully strange and peculiar. And uh, along those lines, let's get in the word this morning. I, I want to I actually ask for everybody to kind of give me a couple extra minutes today because we're going to talk about something I've been building up to for three weeks. Today's the day we're actually going to discuss it in detail. What's up, Newman? Good to see you. And, and today, um, I just want to kind of give you this preface that today's message is a little PG-13, not like I'm going to be using you know, dirty words or anything, um, not like there's going to be acts of violence unless somebody rushes the stage, then security will kill them publicly. Um, not, not like I'm going to be in any way like, you know, uh, off color, but I, but I want you to know this. That if you're here with a child today, you're like, I'm not sure I want my kid to ask questions after the service because of things we talked about, then, then that's fine. Get up and split. That's good. Like, I won't take it like, oh, they're protesting the message. He's going to make fun of me. I make fun of everybody when they leave because I have ADD. And the only way for me to get past it is to pay great attention to it, focus on it for one second, and move on. I don't suffer from ADD, by the way, but most of the people in this room have suffered from my ADD at least once in their lifetime. So... So here we go. So Through the Ages is the name of our series. And Through the Ages, I want you to know this, the culture of the kingdom, the culture of our king has been offensive. It has caused people to, to wonder um, if we're nuts, to wonder if we're right, to wonder if, if, we're not, if we have some other agenda. And so today I want to get into something. Um, and, and I want to start with this statement. Here's a statement. When God's truth is properly presented, most people... Most people actually agree. Do you agree with that or no? Yeah. Let me just say, so I think the problem isn't necessarily that God's word is wrong, but how many of you guys know we can present God's word very poorly? We can make it into little slogans, little angry bumper stickers, little indictments of character. We can pick on one issue so much that we forget about all of our own issues. Yeah, I thought it'd be quiet. Um, and, and in doing so, we, we kind of make the church or the body of Christ look a little hypocritical. How many of you know a little hypocritical is a lot hypocritical? Because it only t- everybody's one good reason, one good excuse away from saying that's not true, that's not real. Because, because the gospel has demands upon it. We surrender rights. We, we don't invoke them. We have a right to, like we don't. We surrender our rights to our king. That's part of the culture. Somebody say amen, right? So today, I, I just want to get into this, um, and I want to start by basically beginning with my own personal confession to you. How many of you guys, you know, forgive me, congregation, for I have sinned. It's been a long time since my last confession. Here we go. You ready? About 40 years ago, um, the church began to th- believe something that I'm really questioning now later on in life, and that is a bigger church that has more people in it is actually better than a smaller church that has less people in it. If that was true, which a lot of people started to say, you know, everybody that, that speaks to these conferences and writes the, the books that we read and has a lot to say in the media, I mean, they're all pastoring large churches, so if you want to have influence, if you want to be successful at ministry, then you should have a large church. How many guys know the things that will be measured on for success with the Lord will not be numerical? In other words, good and faithful. 
quality and fidelity to his commandments, to our lives, to his calling on our lives, to what we're created to be and do. Those are the things we'll be judged for. But the thought that, that a bigger church is more successful is a problem, and why? Because depending on your goal, you ask different questions. And if the question is, how do we become a bigger church? How many guys know you'll arrive at very different answers than if the question is, how do we make the people that love Jesus more like Jesus? And often by, by choosing a larger dynamic than a, than a um, more refined or discipled or mature dynamic, what we've ended up doing is, is we began to not speak about for a very long time issues, things, thoughts that are utterly biblical, but in fear of being canceled today or being confrontational then or, or losing the crowd you know, throughout. There's a lot of things that we should be talking about, we should have been talking about for decades but we have it. And I want to be very careful not to turn this into any sort of a, a rally of holiness and those people that don't believe what I believe. Like, we don't want that. What we do want, though, is, is the truth of the word of God. If you want the truth, say amen. amen. Security, kill that man. Whatever, he's one of us. Never mind, he's good. So we're going to do this. I believe that when God's truth is properly presented, most people will agree with what God says. So we're going to do this. Sometimes you say, well, I don't like people telling me what to do. I don't like the church telling me what to do. I don't like the hypocrites telling me what to do, the politicians, the, the priests, the preachers, the rabbi. I, don't, I just want to be my own person. I totally get that. But let's just change roles for a second. What if you, for two years, wanted a child? And finally, the stick had two lines on it. Come on. Finally, the idiot-proof test that says it's pregnant. No, no one line, no two line, no half a line. It's just as pregnant, right? And you realize, man, we're going to have a baby. How many of you guys have ever been there before? Like when we had kids, oh my gosh, it was just such this. I, I thought I knew everything about love until I had a son. Then I realized I knew nothing about love until I became a father. Changed my life. And when I first held what we, I threatened to name Houdini. Um, we were in college. We weren't wanting to have kids. That, that was a bad joke, wasn't it, Kim? I'm sorry. And I don't want to cause anybody embarrassment. He's right there. I don't want to cause anybody embarrassment. But it, it, I, I remember all the fears of having a child and all that. But man, when I held Josh in my arms, it rocked me. I didn't know how to hold a baby until I held him. And there were scary, stinky, expensive things that tried to kill women. And then it's not. It's my son. So, so there. Put yourself there. Let me tell you something. When you ask the question, what's the greatest day of your life amongst men, amongst fathers? You know what they say? Their wedding day was great. Their wedding night was terrific. Their honeymoon, whatever, right? That promotion work. But they will always say the day my kid was born. Come on. You agree with that? So let's say you've got that now. If you have that or don't, or it's been a long time since you had that, you remember it. That day you hold your child in your arms is the happiest day of your life. Now, I want to ask you some questions about what you want, the ideal life, what you would instruct your child to do. And let's see if, if maybe what God tells us to do as our father that's what we as fathers and mothers say to our kids. Is that fair, fair exercise? First question is this. How many times do you want them to have their heart broken in a romantic relationship that went bad? What's the ideal number? We want them to have character, so they should be laying on the floor bawling for three days, at least eight times in their life, right? Otherwise, how many of you guys want your child's heart to be broken eight times? Let me see your hand. How many, what's the, if there's an ideal number, how many times do you want them to experience romantic love? How many times? Zero. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I asked the question. I asked the Zero. Stay at home. Go to your room. Yeah, just once. I want, and, and how many times do you want their heart broken? It's zero. Um, next question. Knowing the risks that come with sexual activity. And I can say risks. Like, there's rewards, but there's risks. 
Every person that, that your child would be intimate with is thereby biologically becoming intimate with everybody that person became intimate with. And if there's disease, unwanted pregnancy, I, again, if, that, if there was intimacy at that level and then I don't love you anymore, I chose somebody else, you're not the one for me. Hey, I've been, the thing I've been doing with you, I've been doing with somebody else. How many times, how many sexual partners do you want your child to have before they're married? Zero. And I know this is the older people. Young people, help me out. You can answer too. Zero. Zero. Thank you. Yeah. Isaiah, celibacy till the rapture. Amen. (laughs) Wow. What, what, about, what about the spouse that your kid gets to marry someday? Somebody's like, that's a long ways out. Desi's like, I want to talk about it. I don't, this is why, you know, um, what's that song that kills it? Butterfly Kisses? It's an evil song. Don't look. If you have children, butterfly kisses, bedtime prayer. Like, you're just trying to make me cry, so buy your stupid song, you know. But what sort of a person do you want them to marry? Do you want somebody who has a, a long trail of human wreckage behind them? Or would you rather have somebody that that because your child saved themselves knowing the power of that intimacy, that zero, that one, that you would want them to reciprocate and find somebody that had the same testimony. How many guys want that same person? Okay, same thing. Let me ask you this. Now they're married. They've been married for two years, three years, four years. In your mind, as a parent of, of a child, son or a daughter, how many affairs would you like your child to have or, or would you want their spouse to have? How, how many? What's, what's the right number? Okay, we're doing pretty good so far. Last, last question for now. What, how, how long would you like their marriage to last? Forever? You're pretty optimistic. How about till death do us part? <laughs> Forever? It's like, yeah, I, this isn't a Marvel thing. Like, I'm not Captain America. So, so understanding this, if you said, in a perfect world, I want my child to fall in love once with a wonderful person who saved themselves for marriage as well, who will faithfully love them and that their marriage will last a lifetime, then you agree with what God wants for his kids too. Does that make sense? So this, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to dumb this down where it's the aha, checkmate, but nobody's trying to win anything. But I have a responsibility in this community to teach the word of God and to do it in such a way that you kind of can go, I, I think I get that. I think I understand that. Or amen, I got it. Doesn't make us right. Doesn't make us wrong. But I, I want you to know that you can position yourself where God as a father has said to his children, I want this for you. How many of you guys hold that against him? I, I don't hold that against God that he, he wants that for me. I, I, I wasn't able to do that. I didn't know his words. I didn't know his heart for me. I went off the reservation. How many of you guys are glad that when you go off the reservation, God has mercy too, not just rules? But the rules of God, hear me, the commandments of the Lord are not because he's up in heaven saying, this will squirm up, watch him twitch. Thou shalt not. <laughs> right? Like, like God's not watching us twitch. He's a loving father saying to his children, but we in an ideal world would want for our children. Did you get that? So this thought that God is some sort of a killjoy, he's not. God's not a killjoy. He's the creator of joy. If you want a joyous life, he really has paved the road with life-giving commandments that maybe we bucked during our adolescence, our youth, our early days. Maybe we're bucking them today. But how many of you guys know what we want for ourselves? We don't necessarily, we want something better for our kids. I was doing an outreach in Mesa, Arizona, and the reason we chose this neighborhood is because a police officer was sitting doing paperwork. There was a knock at the window. He turned his head left, and someone blew off both barrels of a 12-gauge and just completely removed his... From, from here up was on the other side of the car. It killed him instantly. We said we should go there and bring Jesus because 
I don't know about you, but it seems like maybe that neighborhood could use some Jesus. So we walked in there, and we were handing out flyers to everybody. We said, we're going to come back at 5 o'clock tonight. When we got there, there were police everywhere, detectives, plain clothes, people undercover. And they came up and said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're, we're here doing an outreach. Uh, and they said, what kind of group are you? So we're from the Assembly of God Church just around the corner up the road a couple miles away. And, and his reaction was, oh, he started laughing. I'm like, Why? What? what do you know that I don't? He said, earlier this week, a white supremacist group came in here and put neo-Nazi flyers all over everything. The colors in your artwork are the same colors that are on that artwork. And we were informed by our undercover people, if they show up today, we're just going to kill them. I thought, well, that's not good. So understanding a little bit of the world that I was in, I, I asked where the leader of the community was. The leader is not an elected person. It's a person that is the head of the gang. And I walked up to him like this. <laughs> I'm just, hello, hi, how are you? My name's Jim, and this is my flyer. And he kind of, I said, but look at it. We're a church group. We're going to do a children's outreach. We're going to blow up water bottles and break bricks with our head and tear phone books, and we just want to tell kids about Jesus. But I, I know this. I won't do it because you have authority over here. I won't do it unless you tell me I can. You know what he said to me? He said, all right, okay, all right. But the only thing that's going to get you not killed today is my son. I said, then he lives with me. <laughs> so he said, come with me. He said, he said now, he said, I, I want you. The kid's maybe seven, six years old. Don't go any farther than two steps away from this man because people need to know that they're, they're for us, not against us. Well, that's an interesting statement. They're for us, not against us. So I, I said, now, are you sure he's safe? I don't know if oh, he's the safest kid in this neighborhood. <laughs> if people see him, then there's no duck and cover. So I said, can I ask you a question? Why, why am I allowed to be here? Because you realize if they listen to what I say, they're going to stop listening to what you say. I'm going to tell them not to do drugs. You're going to sell them drugs. I'm going to tell them not to get in gangs and be a family. And you're going to say that your family is the gang. Why are you allowed to be here? This is what he said. Hear me. He said, because I want better for my son than I got for myself. I want you to hear me, guys. Listen. Every generation hopes that their kids get it right. And God hopes every generation heeds his advice. We just agree with the Lord. Do you see that? We haven't contradicted a single commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's my body, my choice. Stop, stop, stop. I, I understand the argument. But in the argument for our rights, please understand every right invoked has a responsibility, has a consequence. And so we want, we want our children to understand their rights as God has shown them that. We want them to live that. But we also understand, many of us, very deeply, the consequences of invoking rights and not taking responsibility. It's, it's been the worst moments of our life. Am I right? The worst moments of my life did not come out of obedience. Neither did yours. So before we move on, let me just say a couple things. That was the first thing. Second thing is this. My responsibility in this community is to teach the Bible. That's my responsibility. It's to love you. It's to, to help provide for the commonality of, of community. It's to be there for you when you need me, when someone is born or passes away, to teach the word of God faithfully, to raise my family, to, to raise the staff, if you will, into a position to bless this world. Do you see that? I am not a politician. And all God's people said, Amen. okay, I'm not a judge. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a physician. I'm not a psychiatrist. I am an expert in one area, and that is the area I am tasked in teaching the scriptures to this community. Does that make sense? So that, that's what I do. We serve the poor. We help the widow and the orphan. We take care of people in Florida. Why? Because we're the body of Christ and a servant leader in the body of Christ. My, my role is to help you with these things. So um, you need to know what God's will is 
before you can listen to God's will and then obey God's will. You still here? All right. So I'm going to ask you one more question. I, 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 I can't swear to you because the Bible says not to swear by heaven or by earth. I promise you, I assure you, I assure you that the, the last question we're going to ask about your child is the last question we'll ask. It's not a gotcha, but it's something I want to talk about because of the days in which we live, the votes we're about to cast, the culture around us. Here's my last question. That child that you love, that, that little boy, that little girl, how many abortions would you like them to have during the course of their life? Zero. Zero. Now, why? Is because you're anti this and pro that? Because you voted this way and not that way? Because you're against this? Why? It's because you what? You, you love your kid. And you want what's best for them. Now, I want to say this right up front. If you have been through this circumstance, I don't care what decision you made. I love you. Jesus loves you. This church loves you. We'll fight for you. We'll fight with you. <laughs> we will, but we will not rest until everybody knows they're loved by God and by God's people. This is not a divisive issue. It is not even political. It, it's just simply communal. This community, listen to me, please hear me. We cannot be pro-birth and neglect being pro-life. Which means if we're going to ask people to consider that question on the screen and come to an answer that we would want for our children and God wants for his children, we can't be like for that moment of birth and say, now you're on your own. Again, I said this last week, and I said it as well as I knew how, even though I was pretty passionate about it. The government has a lot of the roles they do because the church has abdicated a lot of the roles we have. So whose job is it to help someone through circumstances, through hard times? It's It's this community. So if you heard it, they're like, man, I... I'm so ashamed, my daughter. I'm so ashamed, my son. I'm so ashamed of what I did when I was like, stop. Shame never leads to anything but death. And this is not the house that shame built. This is the house that love built. This is the family. By a show of hands, how many of you guys have never lied? Go ahead, lie right now. Okay. You're going to be a great politician, Mike. Someday, I'm voting for you. I'm voting for you. By a show of hands, how many of you guys have never murdered? Can I see your hand? Okay, but you know what? You just told me you're a liar, so I don't believe you. What am I saying? I'm saying this, guys. We're, we're fallen creatures with a perfect father who's calling us by grace to live the life that glorifies him and blesses you. So here's a couple of questions we need to ask. Question number one is this. Does God see unborn, the unborn as people or just potential? Again, am I a scientist? Nope. Am, am I a counselor? Nope. Am I a politician? Nope, nope. I just said nope, nope, because you can't say like a bad word and nope. So I just said nope, nope, right? Am I a judge? Am I making rulings on this? Am I Roe? Am I Wade? No. I'm Jim Wiegand. I preach the word of God, and here it comes. Does God see the unborn as potential, or does the Bible see them? Does God see them as people? And I'll just say this, and many of you can relate to this. He actually sees us even before we're conceived and loves us. And maybe, like, you waited for two years, and finally the stick turned blue, and your eyes lit up. Like, why is that? Because someone you missed that hadn't even been created yet was already real to you. And in the same way, God sees everybody before. See, the Bible says this. He's the alpha, and he's omega. He's not, he's the alpha, or he was the alpha, and someday he'll be the omega. He's the A and the Z currently, right now. Time and space he created. He does not serve time and space. Time and space serves him. He moves in it. He moves out of it. He moves through it because he created it. It is his. I know this is Star Trek. Will you still with me? 
So in this, he knows who he loves. He knows who's going to be there. He knows every breath, everything. And it says this, I love this. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 says this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That word know means to intimately be aware of, to, to be fond of, to, to long for. I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. How many of you guys know my favorite scripture? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse... Verse 10, yeah. We're God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works. And when were those works prepared for us? In advance. God knows and God loves in advance before our first breath is drawn, even before, and here comes the words your kids might ask about later, sperm and egg come together. Before that takes place, there's this, there's this beautiful relationship with a loving God who knows who's going to be here and loves all of them. It says this in Psalms chapter 139. Verse 13, David the king says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because, dang, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame, it wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So how does God feel about people? I am grateful to announce today, God loves people. God loves big people. God loves little people. God loves kids who climb on rocks, even kids with chicken pox. God loves hot dogs, armor hot dogs. If you're over 50, that's funny. If not, you're like, what? So here's a second question. That's important. Does, does God view unborn people as people or, or as potential Scripture, even before they're conceived, they're people to him, and he sees their days. Um, second thing is, does God give the same rights to the unborn as to the born? This is interesting because the Bible, especially the first five books, are filled with a lot of laws, laws about mildew and burlap and how to make goat soup and how to, it's crazy, like what day is a holy day, what day is a feast, a holiday, a fast, there are all these regulations for understanding the best way we could possibly live, just like every father wouldn't just lead his kids to guess, God gave Israel, his nation, this great understanding of how to live. So, but because, um, here's a question, does God give the same rights to unborn as to born? Because abortion was, some would say it goes all the way back even pre that, like to the Egyptian era, but it's, it's speculative. Let, let's just be honest. I don't think abortion was common until recently. I'm not saying it wasn't around 100 years ago. We're talking about thousands of years ago. And the pill you could take, the surgical procedure you could do. How many of you guys know it would be high risk and, and most people wouldn't have any access to it at all? We agree with that? So God doesn't mention abortion in the law. So how do we know if an unborn person has rights like a born person? And we get this out of Exodus chapter 21, verse 22. You guys doing okay? Anybody hate me want to leave yet? I must not be doing my job well. Let me try harder. That'd be offensive. Here we go. Exodus chapter 21 says, if people are fighting, now people, let's define people. Two men, eight women, or the entire cast of Jerry Springer. We don't know. But there's, there's people, male, female, old, young, whatever nation, but there's people, and they're fighting. It's a brawl. It's just two guys hammering it out. And, a, uh, and they hit a pregnant woman, and she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury. Now, in parentheses, I put to the baby. Why? So, well, the serious injury is to the woman. No, no. There's no penalty until that child is born prematurely. Do we see that? So, that, so that what they're talking about is not the woman. We have to wait to see if there's a serious injury to the woman. How many of you guys know if an, if an eye gets knocked out, the eye's out? 
We have to wait for her to give birth prematurely. And there's penalties because she is a citizen and there's laws protecting her. If she is struck, as any other Israelite would be struck, and a tooth is knocked out, an arm is broken, an eye goes blind, there are consequences. Eye for an, and tooth for a. So you know that law. That's, that's for those that are born. So this is what it says. It, 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 she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury. We're not talking about her. There's laws for her. But we don't know if the baby's been injured yet or not. But if that baby comes prematurely, we're assuming she, the baby came prematurely because of the strike that is in question. Are you still with me? Now, if that's the case, the offender, the one who hit the pregnant woman, will be fine whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. I want three pigs a goat, won't be pigs, three cows, a, a chicken, and, and two bags of feathers. And the court goes, yeah, that's fair. The judge goes, that's fair. Well, then they're, and they exchange some bovine for the, hey, sorry, but the kid's okay. But watch what happens next. But if there is serious injury, is that to the woman? Who's it for? Serious injury to the, the baby. This is what he says. Hear me. You are to take a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand, a foot, a burn, a wound, or a bruise. If that child comes out in any way affected by that illegal blow, every right that a born person has in Israel, are you with me? An unborn person has in Israel as well. Does God consider the unborn citizens of the nation of Israel? They have every legal right that every other born person has. Again, I'm not a doctor. Doctors say, well, there's an age of viability. Well, the, the first breath really constitutes. I'm not a politician. I'm not trying to get your vote for me or against the other guy. I am simply tasked with teaching scripture to people that may or may not know God's thoughts on any given topic. These are his thoughts on this topic. We're to be a community. As a father loves his children, so he loves us. And as a father will instruct his children in the way that he believes is best, so our perfect father has instructed us in a way that he believes is best. We want for our kids what God wants for his do you see that or no? I think that's the ballgame for me. If you see that, then you understand. The scriptures are not burdensome to cause us to twitch. The scriptures are what any loving father would give to a child who doesn't know the right way. This is the right way. This is what is true. This is what is not true. Now, let me just address this issue. The Supreme Court has overturned the federal case of Roe versus Wade. A lot of people got their undies in a A lot of people have feelings about that. I'm sorry. Um, but this would happen. Well, it's a conservative court. Yes, it is. But it's not socially conservative. You got to hear me. The Supreme Court is not socially conservative. It is um, constitutionally conservative. What does that mean? It means that they believe that there's more judges on the Supreme Court than not that believe that the Constitution constitutes the basis for the laws of our land. Does that make sense? So a liberal interpretation of the Constitution is it's a living document. As things change, we're free to change it. A conservative view would be it can be changed, but only through amendments, which are very difficult and ardent. And you know, So when they looked at abortion, this conservative court, just as earlier, a different court looked at it differently. They said, is, does the Constitution give a constitutional federal, thereby right, to allow abortion? They decided it did not. Again, they are not social conservatives. These aren't you know, what are the white Christian nationalist activists? They're not. They look at that document differently than other people look at that document. Does that make sense? You guys doing okay so far? 
Okay. So when they said it's not, they didn't, they didn't take away anybody's right to do anything. They just simply said it's not a federal issue because our Constitution does not constitute this law. So it went back to the states. So now every state has the right to choose what their laws will be, and Michigan will be choosing October, November, November something, 8th, I believe it is. So we will be asked in a democracy to, to say this is our voice, this is our heart, this is our thought. I thought it'd be good for us to have this conversation a couple weeks in advance so you had time to think about it. Because I, I will respect your decision, but if your decision goes contrary to his clearly defined will, you've got to ask yourself some questions. I don't have to ask you. You've got to ask yourself some questions. If God sees babies as people, if God sees the unborn as the born, if God's in love with us far before we draw our first breath, before we're even conceived, let, let's be in agreement with God. If we don't want our children to go through these horrific situations, and God doesn't want his children to go through these horrific situations, it's not this mean thing for me to say, hey, let's think about this. Come on. And we need to think about this. Um, let's talk about Proposition 3 for three minutes, and then I want a friend of mine come up and close the service for me today. Proposition 3, um, because the world was in such an uproar, our rights had been removed, a lot of fear, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm, not, I'm not totally convinced that the things they're afraid of, we shouldn't be concerned with. There are issues. But what they did was, because of the, the, the temperature of the room when they wrote that law, they did, in my opinion, what is a gross overreach. Now you say, Jim, that's political. It's not political, it's policy. We have a right to choose the policies that govern our state. We live in that state. I'm a pastor, Selah. So I would say this. They've gone so far as to remove, because this law is a constitutional amendment to the Michigan, it's not a law, it's part of our Constitution. That is so much more difficult than change than just a simple law. So it's important we talk about this. Um, it will replace all other laws that have to do with contraception, abortion, um, fertility issues, sterilization issues. And some people have said, well, that means that the transgender, that means that... The, I, don't, I don't know what that means. I just know this. I don't think we even need to go on those other arguments. I would just simply say this. It is a gross overreach that puts the state of Michigan constitutionally very difficult position. Partial birth abortion, where a child's rear end is given birth first, but the head remains in, so the first breath cannot be taken. And then a surgical instrument is applied, pierces the back of the baby's skull, breaks the brain stem, stem, brain stem the stem brain, I guess I need one myself, pull the baby out dead. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, how is that not an execution? How is that okay? And I'm, and I'm not, so we're going to talk about what about rape? What about incest? What the life of the mother? I, I think we should talk about those things. I'm, this, this is, I'm just simply saying this. Please, please, please hear me. This is the wrong law for us. I don't mean us as in Freedom Center. This is the wrong law for our land. The major questions that should make these choices more clear are not referred to in this law, and this becomes the law by which all other laws are created. I'm very concerned about it, and I, I appreciate that. But let me say this. I just, I've, uh, hi, my name's Jim, and I'm confused. Welcome to Freedom Center. We're not a church like a lot of churches you might know. What I mean by that is this. I hope that every week there's dozens of people that disagree with everything I say. I hope people who have no sense of God or faith walk into this room every week. I hope people that 
aren't quite sure what their gender is, walk into this room and feel the love of Christ expressed through his people. I hope that addicts and prostitutes and, and people that are suffering with mental illness walk in here and they feel heaven on earth. I hope that. That might make us a little bit different. You might want me to hit this a little bit harder. Remember who we're talking to right now. This last summer, we had a young lady who had had her, her breasts removed um, because she thought that she'd be happier if she was male and she had the hormones and she did the thing, but that didn't make her happier. So she, she reverted back to living in a female state and was, you know what I mean? And guys, she gave her life to Jesus. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit. She was testifying. Hear, hear the rest of the story. And then two weeks later, Roe versus Wade was reversed. Now, I celebrate that, that change. I think that's right. But be careful in the way we celebrate because what we consider holy, others consider unholy. And we consider unholy, others consider holy. We lost contact with her. And she defended everybody because she could not believe that people who claimed to know a loving God were so hateful about their comments about Roe versus Wade. I'm not saying your comments were hateful. I'm saying, please understand, I'm not preaching to a choir ever. I'm preaching to people that are making really hard decisions. And we wonder if there aren't exceptions to rules. And we wonder if we're really honest, if people would still love us. We're allowed to ask questions here. I'm going to follow this up with a podcast that has more detail. I'll spare you that now. But I, I thought a good way to end today would be to invite a friend of mine up to share a couple things with you because I think his life in some ways answers some of those questions. So would you welcome the creator of mankind, the guru of church growth. The one who's just hoping not to fall through the stage. (laughs) So... I share in my story this morning, Pastor Jim asked me to, um, not really to create a right or wrong dynamic, but just to create some nuance maybe in the hearts of uh, some of you that are pro-choice. Um, in September 1979, my mom found out she was pregnant. One month into beginning her career in banking, um, My father's black, my mother's white. Uh, This is six years after interracial marriage was even considered legal in this country, which is weird, right? Like a super weird thing (laughs) to think about. But um, we were definitely poor. When I was brought home from the hospital, my parents lived in the basement of a condemned apartment building in Philadelphia because my dad knew a guy, (laughs) whatever that means. (laughs) Uh, There was a hole that went from the roof all the way to the basement. So every time it rained, we had to put one of those little blue plastic pools, you know, on on there to catch the water. And I I don't share any of this to like, oh, you know, violins playing in the background. It was life. I had a great life. Um... I was a child of inconvenience. They weren't financially prepared. Relationally, my my parents weren't married. I was three when my parents got married. Um, My mom had just begun her career. And as I kind of listen to the buzzwords that are being said with this kind of stuff, I'm not going to lie, it's a little hard not to take it personally. Because in this day and age, 
my life is considered not because the circumstances didn't line up because my, the, my mom wasn't ready because the finances didn't line up because a relationship that was like just legal not too long before that um, so to listen sometimes to the arguments for this is difficult um, and, and in the same way that the questions being asked to some of these women uh, are difficult questions, what I would say is to look at a person like me, and there's lots of kids out there like me that are children of inconvenience, is to look at me and say, what about my rights? See, I like being alive. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? I like living. I have now five great kids. I, you know, I would, I would like to think most of you think I don't suck. Um, and so when, when I look at that, I, I ask the question, and I, like, please don't think this is the super manipulative question. But to look me in the face and to say, I don't have a right to live because it was inconvenient for my mom. And I am so grateful that she took on the responsibility to have me. And I think there's a lot of kids, you're adults, but you know, I think there's a lot of kids sitting in these seats watching online who are also kids of inconvenience and are grateful that a mom, and in some cases a dad, chose to take on the responsibility. Um, that's my story. Piano guy, join me if you would. Oh, there he is. I hope this is helpful. I don't hope it gives you ammunition to beat up your brother-in-law at Thanksgiving. I hope this is helpful. I want to say this last thing. I said it once before, I want to say it again. If you're walking in shame, or you're walking in fear, or you're walking alone, come here, Jesus says. If you're weary, are you heavy laden? What's he say? I'll give you rest. The, the woman caught in the act of adultery is not stoned by Jesus. She's guarded by Jesus from the men who want to stone her. A repentant heart it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. I try to repent as often as possible. So much so, I, I almost want to sin more. Just kidding. But you know what I mean? Just, I, there's times I'm supposed to be praying, and I'm like, God, thank you for today. And Lord, I pray this unicorn, Mr. Frodo. Oh, oh, sorry. You know, even in that moment, like, hey, I get to repent. <laughs> oh, Lord, sorry. I, I got off on the Mr. Frodo unicorn dream thing. Well, wow, that was weird, you know? Just good to be back with you, Lord. Good to say good morning again. There's times that, uh, I'm sorry, there's seldom a time when I'm not amazed by the mercy of God. If that is true of God and we are commanded to be like him, it should be true of us. If you're here today and you're like, I've been through hell and it's been a secret, um, give me a call. Let's talk. Will you talk to me? Oh, no, I'm not qualified. But I, we're going to help you. We're going to walk you through this. You don't have to do this alone. Like, 
I don't know what happened to the kids I fathered. That was the 60s, the 70s. I, but I've lived with that my whole life. I, I know. But I, I don't think Jesus wants you to live with it for another day. And, I, and I, I do this. The more I trust him, the less I have to fear. And the more I respect what he said to me, the less I live ashamed. And the less fear and the less shame I have, just the better man I seem to be. So come on. You weary? You have you laden? I know someone who cornered the market on rest. And he's here for you right now. The courage that it took for, for Carl's mom to see him when he was him and no one would have known. I, I marvel at that courage. If you need that kind of courage, we've got some courageous people that would like to talk to you. We've got ministries that help with adoption, that help you through things. We've got cribs. we got food. we got everything a parent needs. Diapers, wipers, and duct tape. It's in a barn. It's just, it's huge. But we are committed far beyond birth in this community called faith. We're committed all the way from the before you are twinkling your daddy's eye to after you die, we will be here for you because that's what the church does. Amen? So, Father, today, I, there's that, that commandment, you know, if we, if we humble ourselves and pray, turn away from our wickedness and seek your face, then you say, I will hear from heaven, and I will restore the things that are lost. I will heal the things that are broken. I will send rain on a dry land. I will help. You're that God. Yes, there's thou shalt. Yes, there's thou shalt nots. But every loving parent puts prohibitions against petting stray dogs and running in the freeway. This, this is, you're such a good dad. <laughs> and I guess most kids get mad at their dad for the rules. But today we just want to stop and say thank you for all the rules that have protected us and all the grace that is there for us and we chose not to obey those rules. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're here today, you're like, Jim, there's a lot of fear in my life some days. There's a lot of shame in my life some days. What's the way out? Jesus said this, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Let's start there. Let's start there. Father, we repent of having not trusted you in the areas that our courage failed, but Jesus didn't fail us. Where you spoke to us and we ignored. Where you commanded us and we disobeyed. Where you loved us and we pushed you away. Every time we've done that, something bad has happened. Every time. So God, we're sorry. We see your ways as better than our ways and we move in your direction right now. We come to you because being honest, many of us, we're weary. We're heavy laden and we need rest, God. So give rest for our souls. Give healing to our land. This proposition passes or fails. The church will still have the same responsibility. But God, I pray I, I do pray, God, there's, there's a conversation no one has had yet. There's an opportunity that was jumped upon and this gross overreach has caused such danger to so many. So many that you see already. So many that you love already. So many that are needed already. So God, help us to make the right choices. Thanks for making us more than potential. We are your people. We humble ourselves. And we pray 
and we turn from the lesser things to the greater things, to the greater one. And we ask you to heal our land. If you're watching right now online, just in this moment, I don't know why I'm doing it online. I've never done this before, but I feel like somebody's watching online right now. And I, I do want to talk to you as this congregation prays. See, I'm, I'm just watching TV. I'm just watching YouTube. I'm just on my phone a month from now. Hear me. I don't believe in accidents. And I believe that God, knowing both the Alpha and the Omega, has ordained a moment like this one for you to say yes to him. I'll never know about it, probably. But you'll never forget it. He's been waiting from the foundations of the world for you to turn and give him that thing that you're so ashamed of, so afraid of. Jesus, right now, we give you our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of our yesterdays and all of our tomorrows. Convince us of your love one more time, God. Convince us of your love one more time, we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Stand your feet. What time is it? Anybody know? Six till ten. Perfect. Thank you. I'm letting you guys out six minutes early. Don't say it so loud next time. All right. You guys good? Here's the deal. Uh, call the church. You want to talk about this? I'd love to talk to you about it. I'll buy the coffee. Got a, a funeral this week and some other meetings and things. But other than that, I'll, I'll make time. And uh, I love you guys. If you didn't hear that today, then I failed you. God loves you guys. If I didn't, you didn't hear that today, I failed you. How many of you guys know I love you and God loves you? Say amen. How many of you guys know Dina probably loves you more than me? But still, it's good. It's good. All right. If you need prayer, people who have a ministry of prayer are coming forward. And uh, we'd love to pray for you before you go. Good time to get ministered to. Lift the things to the, to the heavens. And God will be there waiting for you. So come on forward, prayer warriors. Everybody else, go get your kids. God bless you. You're dismissed. And next week is a special treat. Um, you're going to want to be here. We'll see you soon.